Hello, and welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett. I am a child therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. And this is a podcast dedicated to play therapy and child therapy coming at both of those things from a child-centered perspective. And today on the podcast, originally I thought that I would chat about doing telehealth sessions with children and how to use play in those kinds of ways over the internet since... At this point, since my last podcast talking about the virus and how to talk to children about it, I have shut down my practice and things have gotten more seriously globally. Who knows how much of that podcast even still applies. We're living in a moment-to-moment, day-by-day situation. I hope everyone out there is staying healthy and, well, there's just so many things to worry about in general right now and we're all doing the best that we can. But perhaps then this is an all right moment to put some focus on to just what this child therapy thing that we do is anyway, since my practice has slowed down quite a bit. I'm sure other people's practices have slowed down. Many of us are inside of our homes and not going anywhere else very much and not socializing very much. And it's a time, even though there's financial stresses and health stresses and everything else, it can be a time to reflect on what it is that we're doing in the world and what it is that we want to be doing in the world. And for child therapists, it can be a time for reflecting on just what it is that we're doing when we do child therapy and what we're hoping to achieve both for the individuals that we're working with and also what we want to achieve in the world in general as a profession. And for those reasons, I wanted to focus on the uniqueness of children, of people, of every individual, and how that plays into the treatment that we do. Hopefully I can say, without coming off as some sort of, you know, hippy-dippy person who's accused of being a snowflake or calling everyone a snowflake or whatever that criticism is, even though if by snowflake all we mean is that every individual is a unique collection of personality and experiences and culture and everything else that is deserving of respect. And that's something that is inherent in our practice of child-centered play therapy, that that children are unique individuals and that every child's path to growth and healing is unique to them and that their personhood is unique to them. And we believe, as child-centered play therapists, that when a person is in contact with themselves, and by themselves I guess we mean their emotions, their core Uh, Not to take it too spiritual, but their soul, if that's something that you're into. Whatever it is that makes us, us, and whatever we need to be in touch with, our feelings, our thoughts, our body, to inhabit ourselves fully. That is the work that we're doing with children in child-centered play therapy. Every session is individual to that child because the child has the opportunity to lead that session. And we follow and flow with them wherever they're going inside of the session. We help be a witness to their experience. We help at times make sense or name aspects of their experience. We highlight the narratives and archetypes 
and emotions and flow and story and their body and everything else to help them inhabit themselves and come to know themselves and be witnessed in who they are as a person. And when someone has is moving towards that place and is moving towards health and wholeness and connection, that process is unique to every individual child and what that health and wholeness for them looks like is also unique. When we move from a child to, say, first session through all of the sessions that we see them to discharge, every child's journey is their own. And the only reason that diagnosis is even possible, and I personally am not really a fan of diagnosis, or by that I guess I mean that diagnosis hasn't been an essential or often even a helpful part of the children I work with's journey towards wholeness. But diagnosis is only even really possible because the ways that a person can become injured or trapped inside of, let's see, inside of anxiety or anger or fear or whatever else it is that we can get caught up in that can take us away from ourselves. Those struggles do have some similarities. People who have experienced certain things or have a certain kind of personality and then experience certain things or live inside a certain family situation develop certain kinds of attachment styles, develop certain kinds of ways and perceptions through which they see the world, which separates them from the world and also separates them from themselves. There is a... I mean, I should have just looked it up, but there is a quote at the beginning of Anna Karenina, um, which is a book that I like, that says something to the effect of that every happy family is the same, and that every unhappy family is unhappy in their own way. And for some reason, after reading that quote, it stuck with me. I think it stuck with a number of other people as well, and at the time, Anna Karenina on the whole, seemed wise enough as a book that I simply internalized that quote and believed it to be true, but I don't think that it's actually true. In reality, the opposite might be true. If the opposite is that every unhappy family can generally be categorized into a a couple of different sort of scenarios. We could have, say, a lot of anxiety or anger in the family. We could have certain kinds of relationships that are toxic inside of a family. Different family members could be expressing the struggles of a family as a whole. A family is an ecosystem, and an unhappy family is probably going to be structured in one of, say, a number of ways, right? We can't say that all unhappy families are exactly similar, but we can say that when a family is struggling that they could be probably put into loose categories depending on what that struggle is and how that struggle came to be. And then on the flip side, perhaps it's true that every happy family are actually the ones that are unique, that are all happy in their own ways, that a healthy culture or ecosystem inside of a family would vary when that family is healthy and whole and connected based on the culture of that family, based on the individuals in that family and where they're at in their own journey. That a happy family system is also dynamic and can change as, say, children age or adults age and people go through different life stages and people have different struggles. A family could, say, wax and wane in terms of its level of intimacy between members but still have a shared amount of mutual respect. Some happy families 
might actually be very intense and large with their emotions depending on their culture and depending on the people in it, while, say, other happy families might be more calm and look like your sort of prototypical, like, happy family where everyone just seems to be pleasant and get, be getting along with each other, that happiness is unique if we are saying that to be happy or whatever whatever happy means, we could say happy is like connected and in touch with yourself and in touch with others, that that expression of health will look different depending on the family and that our responsibility as child therapists and as child therapists, gosh, we have a harder job than adult therapists, right? Like we have to work with a number of people. When you're working with a child, you're at least working with that child and their family. So that family system, what responsibility we have to that family system is to respect their own uniqueness and their own individuality and to respect that that family's path to wholeness is theirs and that we can walk with them towards it. We can say, provide space for them to work things out. We can provide, say, some suggestions that can help them through the struggles that they're having. But what that family looks like when it comes to its own health will be different than another family we work with and different than another family still that we work with. And there is no, say, model example for what the health of a child or what the health of a family should look like. So there is a chance that if you are someone listening to this podcast that you are a person who is currently under some form of isolation. If you are someone with a child who is listening to this podcast, there is a good chance that school for them has been canceled in their home all the time now. And if you're a parent in that situation, you may feel a level of responsibility to be providing some education for your child. And that's fine. Children have to learn and... uh Or maybe they have to learn. I don't know. And I think that my hope is, is that if there's anything to benefit from this time, and I don't say that in a way to um, minimize any of the struggles that anyone listening to this might be having, but school on the whole has a standard or a set of information that they want to impart to children and at least in most of the schools I've either been to or worked at, does not make a lot of space for the uniqueness and individuality of the children in the classroom. The children are expected to behave a certain way and to meet a certain standard, and if they do those things, then they're considered to be successful. And at least for a time, if you're at home with a child, you have the opportunity to be curious about their experience, to celebrate their uniqueness, to maybe follow their own natural inclinations towards what they're interested in and what they would like to do and what they would like to learn about, free from the constraints of trying to fit them into a certain kind of box where they know a specific kind of information and then have to regurgitate that information for a test or something like that. I understand that many schools are doing like the online schooling thing and then, you know, A lot of what I'm saying is then irrelevant, at least in the context of school. But in isolation, we get a chance to to know ourselves better, to know our families better, to get to understand the uniqueness of ourselves and the depths of ourselves and the uniqueness of our children and the depths of our children, the uniqueness of our partners. We get a chance to be with 
our own experience of life to understand ourselves on a deeper level and to cultivate and appreciate our own unique experience on this planet and to cultivate and appreciate the unique experience and journey of development of every child that we're with during this time of isolation. And to return it back to therapy, the beauty of child-centered play therapy is that in that space, we do get a chance to celebrate the uniqueness of each child and to cultivate the uniqueness of each child. And that is the beating heart of what we do, that when a child is in touch with their emotions and they understand their experience and they've sorted through the, for lack of a better word, toxic garbage in their unconscious that is causing them to project all kinds of pain and insecurities and fear onto the world, that when they come into themselves, it's a beautiful process and it's an unfolding that it's almost unfair for us to categorize what a child looks like when they're healthy. And it's important for us to do, right? So that we have some markers for what healthiness versus unhealthiness looks like, so that we have some kind of standards for whether treatment is working or not, so that when we're learning the profession, that we can have some grasp of what the process of healing and wholeness looks like. But when we're with an individual person in session, We can let all of that fall out of our minds. We can sink into the uniqueness of that child and we can feel it and we can experience it rather. We can experience their coming into themselves on a visceral, real, present moment kind of level. And that opening up of a person, a child who has been stuck inside of living in difficult emotions or having difficult perceptions and thoughts about the world. When they're liberated from that, they get the chance to be themselves. And when they are themselves, they are more whole and they are happier and they no longer fit those definitions of mental and emotional unhealthiness of uh, diagnoses. And that's all I've got for this episode of Playtime. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy or as healthy as you can. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all all have enough resources to make it through an uncertain time. If you would like to check out more of my work, go to barnettchildtherapy.com. I've got an abstract art workshop. We all have a little bit more time. Uh, If you want to do some art to explore your internal world during this period of isolation and quarantine. I've also got the Child Centered Book Series up there, of which uh, I Get Mad and On Sharing are two titles with I Have a Secret coming out soon. As always, if you want to be in touch with me, please be in touch. My email is barnettchildtherapy at gmail.com. It's my last name, B-A-R-N-E-T-T, childtherapy at gmail.com. And yeah, I'll see you next time.